let's stand to our feet and take our Bibles in our hands, or if you have your, your phone or your iPad with your Bible app. Have, do you ever wonder if back in the day, did they stand up with their scroll? This is my scroll. It is the Word of God. Sorry. Before they put the Bible into pages, it'd be funny, wouldn't it? Stand, someone ought to bring like an old scroll sometime and just stand up with it. That'd be funny, wouldn't it? Awesome. Come on, this is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and I believe it. I will not be conformed to the image of this world. I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Today, taking another step toward God's plan, God's purpose, God's destiny for my life. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. If you believe that, shout amen. You may be seated. You sound great as usual. And again, special thanks to Romero and Christy for leading the service last week and Romero for bringing the word. Awesome message. Well, as we head into the new year, like Shelly had mentioned, you know, there's really nothing magical about the calendar changing and us going from 2018 to 2019. There's nothing really special or mystical or uh, really in the changing of one calendar year to another. But the significance of that is it's, it's just kind of one of those things in our culture that during this time of year, we, we often pause, which I think is good. We pause and maybe reflect on the previous year, and we think about um, God's plan for our life. We think about this journey we're on. We think about our goals. Maybe we think about our, our health and our walk with the Lord, our, our marriage, our, our kids, and maybe our career and school. And, and we think, you know, did... Where am I at? And we begin to kind of assess where we're at. And did we reach those goals we had? And if we didn't, why didn't we? And because I like food. Talk to me, right? Um, but we, we, we start to just kind of reminisce a little bit about where we've been. And, you know, Shelly and I have had those years that, man, we were glad the year was over. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Huh? We've had a few of those years where we, were, we couldn't be any happier to see the, the calendar change, hoping for another year. But there's really nothing magical in that happening. It's just one of those times in the year that we start to reflect and maybe we renew our resolve to begin to pursue those things that we kind of fell off the wagon pursuing earlier the previous year. How many know what I'm talking about? So I think it's good to set goals. I think it's good to have New Year resolutions. But but I don't think that God's plan for our life is that we constantly just renew our behavior modification program every year. Are you with me? I think he has, I think the abundant life that Jesus has for us is, is way more that, and again, nothing wrong with goals. You, you, you ought to have goals. You ought to, you ought to have plans. Right? And you know what? In all honesty, all your prayer requests, those really prayer requests and goals should just be the same thing. Right? That's really all they are. What, what are you praying about? 
You know, those are the, whatever your prayer requests are, those are the goals for your life. God, I want you to be glorified in my marriage. I want my marriage to be stronger. Oh, that's my goal. Well, that's probably a prayer request you have as well, right? God, I want my kids to be blessed. I want them to walk in the fullness of your will for their lives, okay? So really, your prayer requests and your goals are really not a whole lot of different or shouldn't be a whole lot different. So I think God's plan for our life goes beyond just having a, a list. Not that there's anything wrong with that list. I, I encourage you in that. But I, I believe God has more in store. And I just want to share some things with you that I think will encourage you. And, and, uh, and as we head into the new year, it, it, it will help you uh, take some steps to get where God has for you. You know, it, as we were praying over the offering, that verse came to mind. And that, you know, the, the path of the righteous, Proverbs says, grows brighter and brighter until the noonday sun. So God's plan, his purpose, his destiny for our life, it doesn't cap off. That's why when you, when you look through scripture, and, and, and I saw some, some people from the city and, and different family and different friends and different people, you know, are retiring. And many times people retire from this job and they end up taking another job or uh, they're, they're on retirement and they end up maybe doing something else or maybe they're volunteering somewhere or doing it. But if you, if you really think about the word retirement, you, it, that's, you'll never find the word retirement in scripture. Not that there's anything against that. Are, are you with me? Okay, nothing is wrong with retiring and, 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 and maybe you, you um, instead of always being in overdrive, okay, maybe now you're more in third gear, third and fourth gear. But, but retirement for a lot of people in America simply means you just kick it into neutral till you die. How many know what I'm talking about? That's the mindset of most Americans. I can't wait till I retire. What do you mean by that? Kick it, all I'm gonna do is fish. That's all I'm gonna do. Right? Or, or whatever. And, and I'm not saying that it, it, it's wrong to do more fishing or you spend more time on the golf course. Uh, now, I'm not saying anything that's wrong or it's bad. I'm just saying there's a reason why we don't see retirement in Scripture because God's plan for our life, his, his plan, purpose, and destiny, it never caps. Amen? The Bible says the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until the noonday sun. In other words, I'm 50. Man, you thought 40s were good. 50, you haven't seen nothing yet. You better hang on. 60, you better watch out. 70, now I know a little something. You young whippersnappers, are you ready to download? Are you with me? And you pour into that generation. Huh? Read about the old, I believe he was the oldest American. He was definitely the oldest uh, American veteran. Died at 112 years old. I love it. said he, he, he uh, smoked a cigar and drank whiskey every day. I don't know why they put it in. I just thought that was comical, so... There you go. So you want to be healthy? Smoke the scar. Not really. I'm joking. Teasing. Um, sorry, I got a new iPad, so I'm getting used to it. Um, so God's plan, his purpose, his destiny for our lives, it, it, it never caps off. 
it, it, it grows brighter and brighter. So I want to share some things with you as we head into 2019. More than just, okay, I'm going to look at the New Year resolutions and I, where I fell off the wagon last year. Because let's, let's face it, um, we all been there. We've done that, right? You, you get the gym membership, right? You white knuckle it. I'm, I'm, no, I'm serious, I know you said. I know I said it last year, but I'm. I know I said it the year before that, but I mean it, right? I mean it this year. No sugar. No sugar. Not eating sugar. Not doing it, right? Which works fine until February fourteenth, Valentine's Day. All the chocolates, right? And then you're like, ah, oh, forget it. I already blew it. I'll work on that next year, all right? So you eat sugar the rest of. We've been there, done that. You, you've seen the gym where the gym don't even worry about going in January and February. Just work out at home, run outside. Go mid-February, all the parking places will be open. Right? Why? Because people's resolve begins to wear out and wear thin and reality sets in and it's harder than they thought it would be and they quit going. And I just believe God has something more for us. Not that getting healthy is a wrong thing, but I think maybe where our resolve falls short is because of what motivates us. It's kind of like what the commercial said, is we spend so much time, you know, we exercise and do that to try to get control of our lives, right? And, and I posted this yesterday I love what Bob Hamp said. There's a reason why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because whatever we seek first orders everything else in our life. That's why, that's why the first day of the week, we come to church. Why? It orders the rest of my week. Right? Unless you're at the Dallas Cowboy football game like I was last week. <laughs> That's why we give God our tithes and offerings, the first fruits of all our increase. What's that do? It orders the rest of my money, right? That's why I serve God with my time and talent. Why? It orders, it orders how I steward those gifts he's given me, amen? So whatever we seek first orders everything else in our life, and so if what we seek first is overcoming our problems, then overcoming our problems and how to do that, and I need to get control of my life, that's what controls your life, not God's kingdom. Amen? And so Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, and I apologize that I don't have the scriptures up on the screen. I had some issues with my computer this weekend, so I wasn't able to get it to our, our tech team as planned. But... Ephesians chapter, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5, thank you, verse 16. And I love this in the message. It says, Paul the Apostle says, My counsel is this, live freely, animated, and motivated by God's Spirit. Live freely, animated, and motivated by God's Spirit. Live freely, animated, and motivated by God's Spirit. 
What if we made that our New Year resolution? What if we just resolved that, you know what, this year, I'm going to live freely. Because that'll look like different things to different, it'll look differently to each of us, right? Depending on how the Spirit of God leads us in that, right? Animated and motivated by God's Spirit. So it goes back to what we shared in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, that it's when we become intimate with him that he will direct us wherever we go. So it's this, all the, the life change, all the goals, all the plans, all the, the things we want to accomplish in the next year, they're going to flow out of intimacy with God. They're going to flow out of being animated and motivated by the Spirit of God because I'll tell you the truth. I'm pretty motivated by the, end of the, uh, by the beginning of the year, but by the end of January? Talk to me, somebody. And then we begin 21 days of prayer and fasting. My spirit says yes. My flesh says no. Right? Because I've been feeding it like crazy over Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? So what produces the lasting change? How do we get beyond just some self-help uh, behavior modification program that lasts for however long my resolve may last this year is whatever change I desire in my life, it has to flow out of freedom and it has to flow out of being animated and motivated by the Spirit of God and intimacy with Jesus on the inside. Jesus has always changed our lives from the inside out. Amen? And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning as we talk about purpose and destiny. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says this in the message. It says, long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us, he had you in mind. He had settled on us, settled on you as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. I'm going to read that again. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, I want you to think about this. Before there was a star in the sky, before, before there was a universe, before this planet was spinning an orbit in our galaxy, our heavenly father had each and every one of us in mind. I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. And here's what he had in mind. He didn't have in mind your behavior modification program that you had this year and the list of things and the goals you want to accomplish because if you do, then you'll feel really good. And, and Are you with me? Nothing wrong with those things, but here's what he had on his mind. He had us, he had you on his mind, and he had settled on us and on you as, on, as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by putting up a sign or a billboard telling you how sinful you are and turn or burn, right? No, I'm joking. I'm referring to that. No, to be made whole and holy by his love. 
My point is, all behavior modif- successful behavior modification, for it to work, is rooted and grounded in us living in the greater reality of how much he loves us. Watch this. What if the focus of my life was the fo- what if the focus of my year this year was the focus of God that he had before the foundation of the world which how mu- which is how much he loved me How does that change how does that animate how does that motivate everything else that I do Now watch Now if I realize that God settled on me as the focus of his love. And he did it before the foundation of the world, which means it's not based on anything I've ever done or will ever do. It's simply based on who he is, not who I am. It's not based on my performance. It's not based on my track record, thank God. It's based on him and his goodness. Amen? So now if... I begin to focus, and Paul the Apostle, by the way, in Ephesians chapter 2, he prayed this prayer in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19 of chapter 2. He prayed that our, our eyes would be opened and we would grasp the length and the width and the depth and the height of God's love for us that goes beyond human comprehension. In other words, meaning... God's love is so vast and it's so great and it's so amazing. In fact, we were the focus of his love even before the foundation of the world. That even blows my mind and I can't wrap this pea brain around that reality, but that is reality. And he says it goes beyond human comprehension, which which means the only way you can grasp God's love for you is he has to personally reveal it to you. We have to receive it by revelation. And then he goes on to say, and we quote it separately, and God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that works within us. I can't help but think that verse 20 is tied to verse 18 and 19, that the reason God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think is because I've grasped a greater dimension of how high and wide and deep and broad his love is for me, and that changes everything. Are you with me? Hmm? And so if the focus of my life this year was how much God loves me, now, you know what? When I go to the gym to work out and take a little better care of this temple, it goes beyond... It goes beyond just wanting six-pack abs. It goes beyond just wanting bigger biceps. Nothing wrong with those things. But now I'm animated and motivated by the Spirit of God. Now when I'm working out, I'm working out because I'm the focus of God's love. Man, If I'm the focus of God's love, then he must think my life matters. Doesn't matter any more than anyone else's. So if I'm the focus of God's love and my life matters, that means your life matters too. And everyone in my life, their their life matters. 
And so I'm going to go to the gym and I'm working out and I'm taking care of myself and I'm getting healthier. And, but it's, it's animated and motivated by the Spirit of God because I realize I, I'm the focus of his love. And so I want to take care of what he loves. D- does that make sense? Right? And so this, now when it gets hard and now when it's challenging and now when, okay, it's February and here comes the, forget February, forget February, the chocolates are already out. They're already putting Valentine's stuff out. It's crazy, right? But now, instead of uh, when things get hard and and losing my motivation because it was just some self-willed behavior modification program that was a great idea. Nothing wrong with it. But now it's animated and it's motivated by the Spirit of God on the inside of me. Now it flows from a different place of motivation. It's more than just, well, this is my goal. No, it's I'm the focus of his love. Because I'm the focus of his love, my life matters. Because my my life matters, I'm getting healthy or I'm getting out of debt, or I'm making this change, or I'm breaking this addiction, or I'm finally getting that counseling appointment, or I'm going to love my spouse the way I need to, and I'm going to be the dad or the mom I need to. Are you with me? It's flowing out of being animated and motivated by the Spirit of God, not just, yeah, I know, I need to work on that. Didn't do so good this year. I hope I do better this year. There's no power in that. Is this making sense? So I just want to share a few things with you this morning with the time we have left. Just three things. And how to connect with God's purpose for your life in 2019. Because it's not capped. It grows brighter and brighter until the new day sun. Number one is this. You need to know the real desire of your Know the real desire of your heart. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. There's a couple ways we interpret this. One way we interpret this is this. Uh, Hey, I I love Jesus, so if I have the desire for the Mercedes or, or whatever, praise God, right? I love Jesus, Mercedes, boom, right? Obviously, I think that's a shallow interpretation. Uh, I think a better interpretation is, as you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the very desires of your heart. In other words, you end up wanting what he wants. You love what he loves. You hate what he hates. Amen? And it's not because you self-willed it. It's not because you're, you're better than anyone else. It's because he changed your life. I, I hated church before I was saved. When I got saved, the first thing that changed that I noticed when I got saved, and I didn't even know that what happened to me as I was saved, I, but Jesus came into my life. I didn't know that was called salvation. I, I didn't know what you call it. I didn't know I was born again. I didn't know you called it that. I just knew that I, I, I was cussing on Friday And I left the youth event Saturday, and I wanted to go to church on Sunday, and that was weird. Because I never desired that before. I hated church. Hmm? 
So he gives you the desires of your heart. And many of us, what we do when it comes to this aspect of our lives is we kind of get pseudo-spiritual. Well, you know what? Many times I'll counsel or coach people. And so, what are the desires of your heart? I just want what God wants. What do you want for your marriage? I just want what God wants. Have you ever asked your spouse what they want? No, I just want what God wants. Okay, and many times, and and I get it, I think it comes from a a well intended place. But in all honesty, many times it just becomes a pseudo spiritual way of procrastinating. Because if you don't get what God wants, well, it wasn't his time. Okay. Are you with me? So I think we need to get to the place where we really know what is the desire of your heart? What are those things as you delighted yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart? What are those things he's deposited and planted on the inside of your heart? Because he put them there for the reason. And there's things in your heart that God's put uh, put in there that, man, gets you all excited. And someone else it's like, oh, yeah, cool, whatever. Right? And you wonder, why in the world are they excited? Because God didn't put that desire in their heart. He put that desire in your heart. I love it when people come up, Pastor, we really need this ministry. I'm like, great, when are you going to start it? No, God, if you're talking at a desire, God did that in you. He didn't do that in me. I got plenty on my plate. So if something's happening with the desire in your heart, come on with it. Amen. Let me support you. Let me encourage you. Let me... Uh, resource you, pray for you, get going. (laughs) Do it. Make it happen. Right? What is the desire of your heart? Number two is kind of like it. Know what stirs your passion. In John chapter two, this is at the tail end of Jesus goes into the temple and he turns over all the money changers. And it says, Um, And as he does that, the Bible says, then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scripture, passion for God's house will consume me. What consumes you? I'm not talking about what interests you. What consumes you? Hopefully our walk with Jesus consumes us, right? My wife consumes me. I'm consumed. I always think about her. I don't tell her enough how often I think about her. But I think about her often. Our relationship, it consumes me. I'm passionate about it. I care about it. My kids, I think about my kids all the time. They're grown up. One's out of the house. Married. Has a life of her own. I still constantly think about them. Are you with me? So... It's different than something you're just kind of interested in. Stuff you're interested in, eh, it's kind of interesting. I'm interested in something else this year. No, passion is different than that. Passion is something that you can't shake, you can't let go of. Here's a good way to put it. What turns you on and what ticks you off? You ever talk to someone and, and as they're talking about it, you're like, yes, yes, right? It's probably because you have that similar, right, Gifted passion. But have you ever had it before and you're like, "Uh uh-huh. And you're being polite, but you're like, who cares? Come on, talk to me, somebody. 
right? And it could even be your spouse. It's okay to have different passions than your spouse. I used to get mad and upset. Shelly had different passions. I just didn't realize it's just different. It's okay to be different, right? That the things that turned me on were different than her and the things that ticked me off were, were different than her. But they're a key to your purpose and destiny. So what is it that, that turns you on? I love it when people come to church and they were ready for it to be boring or they're ready for it to be irrelevant and they're like, oh, that was, I, I kind of like that. I'm like, yeah. I live for that moment. I live when people go, it was different. I I wasn't expecting this or I was expecting what church was like when I was a child and I hated it. It was judgmental and it was this and the Bible was boring, but you made it exciting. It came alive and I'm like, yes, right? What ticks you off? Because whatever ticks you off, you've probably been assigned to fix What makes you cry? What breaks your heart? What keeps you up at night? Hmm? Many of us, we downplay what makes us mad. We just think, ah, it's just me or... No. Because there are some things that tick you off. Someone else would go, eh, whatever. But, But you can't shake it. It's because it's probably part of your assignment to fix it. Tell you what ticks me off. When church is boring. Y'all are like, then move on, pastor, to the next point. (laughs) When I was little, mom and dad, mom, not dad, mom, make us go to church. I hated it. It was never presented in a relevant way. Never really seemed to, and it probably impacted my life more than I thought it did, but so ultimately my Older brother and I, we just learned to sneak out the back of children's church, go smoke cigarettes and dip snuff, throw rocks at birds, and then learn to sneak back in before they detected us and everyone thought, you know, it was cool. So when I got saved and God called me into ministry, that's my background. And so, uh, and I ask Shelly this every day I have for the last 25 plus years. Every day, what do I ask you? How did I do, and was it boring? How did I do, was it boring? Because the, my fear, what ticks me off, what, uh, is that you'd ever take the greatest message about the greatest God who gave us the greatest life because of the greatest sacrifice through the greatest event in history, the cross and the resurrection, and you'd take the greatest thing ever and you'd make it boring. How dare you? How dare you? And waste people's time. And, and that's a fear of mine. I, I still fear it. It's one of the reasons I stand up to get over my fear. Hey, this is my Bible. It, you think that, oh, he's just so, I love that when you do that. That's just to get over my butterflies and to get the wheel cranking. Because my fear is that it's boring or people leave and go, oh, I should have stayed home and watched the Cowboys. Or should have got ready for the game? Or are you with me? Hmm? So what ticks you off? What infuriates you? That that ain't right. It's probably a key to your assignment. It, it, and listen, you ever know when your kids come home from school and they're angry? So we don't 
as believers, we don't deal with anger very well. We, we, we dub it a negative. Anger is not a negative emotion. You're not to sin in your anger, but it's not an unholy emotion. Jesus got angry. He turned over the money chambers, tables. The disciples noticed it. They called it passion. We call it anger. He, disciples called it passion. Anger's passion. You just got to direct it. So kids come home from school angry. Instead of going, oh, don't get, you, you, need to be upset. you don't need to be upset about that. They need to be upset about it. Don't tell them they don't need to be upset. They need to be upset. Fuel it. Direct it. What's, what, what are you upset about? So-and-so called so-and-so, or they were a bully, or they were so mean. I hate it when these friends are mean to these friends. I hate that. You know what? They could be the next president that turns this whole country around. They could be the next leader that changes. Does this make sense? So don't, don't shut that down. Learn to direct that. What, what stirs them? I hate when this happens. And you would minimize it because maybe that's not what ticks you off. But it does them. Clue into that as a parent. Tie into that as a parent and direct it. That's probably what God assigned them to fix. Does this make sense? And the last one is know what flows naturally with your gifts and talents. Sometimes... When our gifts and talents are something that are just natural to us, we, uh, you know, whether maybe you're a musician, maybe you're artistic, maybe you like cooking, you know, maybe you're like my, uh, like Skip, you're like uh, my son-in-law, my dad, you're mechanically inclined, you know, something fixes, you're like, ah, oh, we just need to do it, but and you fix it, and I watch the YouTube video five times and then go, what way do you turn it? <laughs> Let me watch it again. <laughs> Junior, come help me change these spark plugs. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's not quite that bad, but this doesn't flow naturally out of me. I can make it happen, but it's not natural. Junior, it's natural. It's just, just fixers, tinker. And a lot of you guys are wired that way. But Shelly's more wired that way than I am. And a lot of times we diminish those. Some of you, you know, you, you cook and you, you know what? And, and someone says, oh, that is so good. Will you give me the recipe? You give them the recipe. They follow it to a T and it does not taste like yours. Why? Because that is a gift. It flows out of you naturally. And you probably added something that you didn't even write down for. Them. <laughs> but two cups of sugar instead of one. No, no. No, but you know how you do. We had a neighbor that would make this incredible apple pie, and my mom would always ask her for a recipe, and she's like, she didn't know what to tell her because she just, she's grabbed stuff. She never measured anything, but they always tasted consistently great. Just throw it in, make it. It's a gift. It flows out of you naturally. And a lot of times we diminish those things because they come natural to us, whether it could be you're good with numbers, you're good at handling money, you're good at uh, leadership, whatever it may be. In Romans 12, 4 and 6 says, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I love that. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So what if heading into 2019, the focus of our life was what God's focus was before the foundation of the world of how much he loved us. And as a result of realizing how much he loved us, we begin to pay attention to 
the desires of our heart. We begin to pay attention to our passions and what turns us on and what ticks us off because those are keys to what we're assigned to do and to fix. That we begin to engage at a greater level because remember, the path of the righteous go brighter and brighter. It doesn't cap off. But we begin to engage at a greater level those gifts and those talents that flow naturally out of us. What if we begin to do that in 2019? What would life look like this time next year? And then what if we begin doing that in our home? What if we begin to remind our spouse of how, Shelly, baby, you're the focus of God's love? What if we begin to remind our kids that they're the focus of God's love? We begin to remind them, hey, what is the desire of your heart? What are your passions? What turns you on? What ticks you off? How can I help you walk in a greater level of that purpose and destiny? But what, are, what are the gifts and talents that we don't really say anything about it because, yeah, they've always done that. Why don't you begin to speak to those things and call those things out at a greater level? So what if we begin to live in that individually and then that begin to take place in our homes and our families and then it trickled into our church and every member sitting here, every person at CFC, every single one of us, our focus 2019 is that we're the object of God's love. And because I realize I'm the object of God's love, I realize that makes you the object of his love that changes the way I see you and treat you. And then I begin to tap into um, the, the desires of, of my heart and the passions of my heart. And then that makes me care about the desires and passions of your heart and your gifts and talents. And we begin to call those things out. And everyone here at CFC is not only engaged with our, 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 our desires, our passions, and our gifts and talents inside the four walls, but that's also taking place outside of the four walls of the church. What would our city look like? What would happen? I think that's what the Bible calls revival. I think we spook, make that spooky. I think we make it mysterious. I think we make it like some cloud that's going to come. And I don't really think it's more than you know what? God loves me, and because I realize I'm the focus of his love, that means you're the focus of his love. And I'm tapped into the desires he's put in my heart, and I'm operating within those passions, utilizing my gifts and abilities, and we're making a difference. Amen? What would 2019 look like if that's what we pursue? Father, we thank you for this time in your word. and Lord, we thank you as we come to the close of a year and the beginning of a new one. I pray that each and every one of us, Father, that we would realize that we're the focus of your love, that you would open the eyes of our hearts and we would see the, the depth and the length and the breadth and the height of your love for us that passes beyond human comprehension. Lord, that we would grasp it at a greater dimension than we ever have before. And Lord, as a result, our lives and all the goals and the dreams and the plans 
and the things you have in store for us in 2019, they would be animated and motivated by your spirit and by your love, not by some magic goal list, not by just I'm going to self-will and I'm going to grind it out. Lord, and it would go beyond some behavior modification program, but it would be something that's animated and motivated by your spirit and by your love. That we're living life, Lord, from the desires of our hearts that you've put there to begin with. We're operating in our passions and our gifts and our talents. May that be what 2019 looks like for each and every one of us and our families and our church. In Jesus' name.